All right, everybody, welcome back to the Greg Campy Show. We're back better than ever after the holiday break. My name is Neil, we're the voice of the Golden Grizzlies. Of course, he is the coach, Greg Campy, and coach... You know, there was no holiday break uh, for, for for us. There was no holiday break for the Golden Grizzlies. You know, we played right through all that. It was just regular work weeks. And, uh, boy, what a crazy weekend last weekend was. Uh, before we get into that, how are you? Well, I, I'm kind of sad right now, Neil. I, I, I just, I'm sure everybody is with what's going on in Washington, D.C. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that you don't play your politics public. You know, it's... Nobody really cares what I think politically, and and I, you know, it's it, I'm not. It's not my position at Oakland University as a basketball coach to speak out on politics, but I think we can all be sad by what's going on, and it just it makes my stomach sick to to see that. And um, I just before I came on, I saw a video of the first person that got in there, and the, the security guard, you know, what he was confronted with, and. I mean, sometimes I, I think of myself as a basketball coach and with a crappy job. I can imagine what that guy feels like today. I mean, it, I, I just, I feel so bad for those people and, and for the, you know, the, the people that are trying to protect us. You know, I just, it's, it's a sad, sad day. And, you know, we're going to talk about basketball and we're going to talk about good things in that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's under the umbrella of, man, this is, this is a terrible day for us. No, I, I would agree with that. Uh, one thousand and one thousand more percent. There, there is no question about that camp. But you know, it's uh, it, it's like one of those things that, that that people talk about. You know, for for fifty five, fifty eight, whatever minutes are left here in this show. You know, we'll uh, we'll do our best to try to go the opposite way, man, and talk some college basketball. All that stuff's going to be there at eight o'clock. You know, it, it's uh, it's not going anywhere. There's no question about it. But uh, as we said, he is a coach, Greg Campy. We are brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Happy to be with you. Happy to be back at it. Remember, you can tweet your questions at any time, and you know, Campbell, Campbell, tackle them. Uh, nothing is off limits. We get to them all. Um, so anything you want to know about with the hashtag Ask Campy, uh, fire that away on Twitter. I'm on that as the show goes on and we get into it. But coach, you know what? What a what a difference a day made uh, <laughs> this past weekend against Wright State. They came into the arena on Friday night. They showed why they're the preseason favorite to win the Horizon League, and they were as advertised. And we we saw exactly what they're about. And, you know, as you talked about, I mean, they, they beat you guys by a 1,000 in, in that basketball game. I believe that was your verbiage uh, in, in the post game. And Saturday comes, you guys bounce back. Jane Lamore takes over the basketball game. You guys get a double-digit win over Wright State. College sports camp, they're crazy, man. Well, we got, yeah, we got to remember who they're played by now. You know, they're played by kids. 18 to 22 year old kids that are growing up and to become men. So, you know, things like that are going to happen. I, I, you know, one of the things I told our team before the game is Bowling Green's undefeated in the Mac and they're really, you know, <laughs> excuse me, they're picked to win the Mac and Wright state had them by 30 some at halftime also at Bowling Green. So, you know, Wright state's a team that can do that to you if you weren't ready to play. And I don't know why, Neil, I have no idea why we weren't ready to play after, the two wins over Detroit and uh, how we won those games. And, you know, Christmas was great. Uh, you know, I, I know everybody would have rather been home for Christmas, but we were sequestered here and, and uh, you know, we had our own little family Christmas with, with everybody. And, 
you know, to play so well at Detroit and, and to get those two wins after the way the season had gone, I thought, you know, I thought we were going to fly into Wright State. I didn't know if we would win or not just because how good they are, but I thought we'd play great, and, and it was completely the opposite. I mean, it was, you know, we our feet were stuck in the mud. I, a perfect example is we in, on Saturday we turned Wright State over 19 times. We're averaging about getting 17, 16, 17, 18 turnovers a game with our athleticism and how hard we've been playing. And one of the things I've raved about this team is how hard we play and how many floor burns we get and how many guys are diving on the floor and getting loose balls and things like that. In the right state game with five minutes going first half, we had turned them over two times. And honestly, they did not come out. And start, I mean, they came out and started that game about two for nine from the floor. We just, I mean, we missed five point blank shots at the rim. We couldn't make a shot. It frustrated us. We had no legs. We, it, it was just, I just couldn't understand it watching it. And a lot of people probably thought that after the game, I was probably had some choice words for him in that, but I didn't, I really didn't. We just, that game was over and we had to move on to the next game and believe in ourselves and, and the kids did, and they came back, and we played great Saturday. I mean, we first 15 minutes of the game, we we were we looked like a team that could do a lot of damage. Yo, Camp, was it a situation, too, where when you have these, these back-to-back games and you have two games in 18 or 20 hours, was that a little bit of a blessing uh, this time around in that to where it had hurt you guys, I think, in Chicago, you know, in, in terms of, of energy that you had available in the second half? On the other side of it, was this a situation where it was good to just – you just let that lay, and then 18 hours later you come back out there and play again, and you put that behind you? Did, did that serve you guys well? Well, I think we're all going to analyze this, and I, I hope we're never in a position to do this again. You know, I, I just hope that we're, <laughs> we're never putting kids in a position like this again where that you know – I mean, if I'm right state, I, I've, I've got a lot of questions to ask myself why – you know, were we not ready? Were we, you know, and then we're going to analyze it a different way. Everybody's going to analyze things from their perspective and we're all going to analyze it differently. And so I think it has to play out for the year and you have to look at it. But yeah, Neil, I, th- I think the ability to come right back and play them the next day, it, you know, if we were really that bad of a team, I would tell you no. But I think we are we're not better than we played Friday. We're way better than we played Friday. And so the ability to bounce right back, get back up on the horse and ride it, uh, I think that played good for us in this particular case. I will say this. Last year we lost to UIC at, at home by 30 or so, and we finished the season a month later at UIC and won. So, you know, I, I've seen it both ways to come back like that. I just – to turn it around in less than 24 hours and play that way is pretty an amazing feat. And I've, I got to give our players and my coaching staff a ton of credit. Uh, and I, I tweeted this out a day or two after the game, but my only regret to the whole thing is that the, the Grizz gag wasn't there to witness it because that, that was one of the better wins I've been associated with in, in, you know, the last five to 10 years. You know, coach, you, you talked about that in, in the coaching staff and, and really what happened. And I'm not asking you to give, a game plan away or give a secret away, obviously. Speaking more in generalities, 
did you guys see something in that film on the first day? Because I know, as you and I have talked about it all season long, you said us, I focus on us, I focus on what we're doing because we have the limited amount of time that we have. That's really all that I can do is focus on what we're doing. Did you guys see something and again, without you know letting Scott Nagy you know know what what you guys were doing, you know did you see something that you felt you were able to take advantage of that you didn't see the first night? Well, we were gonna we were gonna have a walkthrough on Saturday, and we canceled it because there was nothing there they did that we didn't expect them to do. There was nothing there that um, you know the whole problem. As bad as we looked defensively in that, the whole problem was our offense. As we talked after the game, our defensive numbers were not. We held them to five or six percentage points below what they normally shoot. I'm talking Friday now. Right. We had them below their three-point shooting. When you get blown out like that, the team usually has a 60% day. They make 50% of their threes. They shoot 20 more free throws. You know, that's how blowouts occur. That didn't happen. The blowout occurred because – we we played offense like they were a college team and we were a eighth grade B team somewhere. You know, I mean, it was that bad offensively, and and the defense was not bad. So we had to pick up a couple things we did to change it. Is we just we pressed. Now it's easy to pre- press when you score. The night before we couldn't have pressed because we never got we never scored. You know, <laughs> um, but the press took them off their spots. It was a conservative press. It wasn't meant to, uh, you know, to steal the ball, although we did get 14 steals. But what it was meant to do was them get the ball across the half-court line with about 22 seconds left on the shot clock. By the time they get their offense set up, there's 18 seconds left. And now they can't can't probe and fire the ball around against the zone and work in and out of it. They've got to – we might see – the ball reversed one time before a shot has to get up. So we did a great job of that. And then the second thing we did is we took two away. And, you know, on Friday we just didn't have any legs, and they just threw the ball right by us into the high post area, into the mid post area of the zone. And we took all that away on, on Saturday. They, 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 it, they struggled to get the ball in there. Now, again, the press made it where they only had one or two opportunities. And so – from a defensive standpoint, that's what the difference in the game was. From an offensive standpoint, we really, we we really, really backed off the running, and we walked the ball up the floor. We we don't ever want to not run because of Jalen's ability to in transition to come off the ball screen and get to the rim. But what we did is we really focused on running offense. And that on the night before, we ran no offense. We just played one on one and took crappy shots and. You know, everybody was trying to just make a basket to get things going, and, and we didn't we didn't play good offense at all. And I thought Saturday we played the best offense of the season. Coach, when you guys do that defensively, uh, real quickly before we get to the first break, when you guys do that defensively, is the goal of that, and you outlined some of the goals for it, but I, I think the one thing that it does, when, when you guys just pick up that little bit of pressure, as you said, not to turn you over, just to kind of speed you up a little bit, when you get into your offense, if you're right state, who is very patient, who has shown time and time again that they will they, they will not settle for a bad shot. They will get the shot that they want. Do you find that that really, that really turns the screws on them a little bit when they start that offense, as you said, at 22 seconds as opposed to maybe 28 seconds to where you know they, they maybe will lose some of that patience that's their trademark? Yeah, I don't know if Rookie is agreeing. I don't know if you can hear Rookie barking. I heard him, yeah. 
Um, she, I think she's agreeing with you. Uh, she heard, she's hearing something. I, I hope it was you, but um, there's no question what you're saying is right. And and now to be able to do that, you got to score the ball, though, Neil. Right. You got to score the ball, and then you've got to you've got to be aggressively conservative, which you know is that's a hard thing to teach kids to do. When you have Micah Parrish at the front of that zone, he's a one man wrecking crew. So he can, he can apply pressure and not make it easy. And yet you can still be conservative and not trap yourself into an easy shot. And what I mean by that is, you know, around half court or just on the other side of half court, you trap the ball and they, they beat the trap and find a two on one or a three on two situation. And that's what we don't want. So it, it, it's a conservative uh, press, but you've got to be able to pressure. And, and Micah Parrish is really good. And I will tell you this, Kangu did a great job in this, down the stretch in that press. And uh, Jalen Moore stole the ball. at a, you know, it was, I think it was a six or eight point game, and he stole the ball and inbounds pass when they, they were going to let it roll up the floor, which was a, just an intelligent play, and it ended the game. And so we really did a great job in that conservative press. And I think it was the key to winning there. You know, there's a lot of things that happened, but you know, Wright state still kicked our butt on the glass, but that's who they are. They're like third or fourth in the country in rebounding. You know, that's what makes them great is their size and bulk and, you know, Tanner Holden and, and, and loud and love and, and the way they rebound. We knew that was going <laughs> to, excuse me. We knew that was going to be a problem for us. And so you have to find other things. And the other things where we ran great offense, we got great shots. And then the, the zone press really, really was a factor in us winning. All right, Coach. Well, when we come back, we'll, we'll wrap up the discussion with Wright State. We'll get to your questions with the hashtag AskCampy as well. And we'll take a look uh, to the matchup at Green Bay coming up this weekend as we will go out to Green Bay Square off with the Phoenix. But before we get to that, I had a conversation earlier today with Deidre Davis. She's the Chief Marketing Officer of the Oakland University Credit Union. Quick conversation with Deidre. Then we'll go to the break, come back, and there'll be more of the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Neil Rule, the voice of the Golden Grizzlies, and I'm joined by Deidre Davis, the Chief Marketing Officer for the Oakland University Credit Union, a perfect fit for Oakland Athletics, seeing as you guys have a branch right in the Oakland Center on campus. Uh, so Deidre, tell us more about the Oakland University Credit Union. Sure. Well, the credit union has partnered with Oakland University for over 60 years, and we're really committed to making a positive impact on the students, faculty, staff, alumni, and of course, the fans of the university, because we really believe that by us investing in the university and in the local economy, we help create a place where people are proud to live, work, and visit. And so as a credit union, which is owned by all of its members, and in our case, we have about 300,000 members, we have um, products and services uh, to fit every need, um, low um, uh, interest rates on loans and higher deposit rates you typically see at, at a larger financial institution. And um, we have 21 branches, including five in Oakland County, with a regional office under construction just down the street from Oakland University. We have um, more than $5.7 billion in assets, making us the third largest credit union in Michigan and the 46th largest in the nation. And we have about 900 employees to help serve all of our members. And certainly the, the one that everybody recognizes is the one on campus at the at the Oakland University, uh, the OC in the center there. But uh, that is interesting. I mean, you guys, you guys are a brand that's all around this local community around Oakland. 
Yes, we have locations in Auburn Hills, Berkeley, Clarkston, like you said, the Oakland Center, and also in Ortonville. And we just opened a couple weeks ago our newest branch in Clarkston. It's on Sashabaugh Road, so it's a really convenient location when people are out and about running errands and so forth. And all of those are full-service branches with ATMs and video teller services available. And so, so really convenient. And then, like I said, we're also constructing a regional office down the street from uh, Oakland University, and that is slated to open in um, very late in 2021. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, certainly, Deidre, this this year was very challenging for many consumers, your, your your customers, your clients, certainly no different than that. What did Oakland University Credit Union do to step up to address those needs? Yeah, so so you're absolutely right. It, it was and is challenging for so many individuals. And so we were offering loan deferments. We waived fees. We offered um, really low-rate member assistance loans. And then we also participated in the PPP loan program for business members. And then additionally, we introduced a new account called Savings Builder. And this account was created to encourage members to establish an emergency fund. So a, a staggering statistic from Bankrate.com is that 28% of adults don't have any funds set aside for unplanned expenses and so we want to help change that and help improve the financial lives of our members and our community members as well because not having that emergency fund especially when something like a pandemic which was obviously so unexpected hits it really can can cause problems in people's lives and so having that emergency fund can help to to ward off some of that those um, inconveniences so to speak that, that can happen. Uh, Deidre, we talked about the the pandemic and certainly that had an impact on on how you guys operate. What did you guys do digitally to help out customers? Because let's be honest, I mean, we know where this marketplace is going. Digital is a must. Yes, absolutely. So we've always um, believed in investing in technology and um, innovation, but this year we kind of, or I should say last year since it's already 2021, but we really um, stepped that up. We created an innovation center within our credit union so that we um, are able to quickly um, pilot and partner with different fintech companies and test those products and services out and have our members be parts of the pilot programs to see if they really are viable for the credit union and so in addition to several that we have in pilot right now we also introduced a video chat so that's a way for members to talk face to face over video with our employees they can open new accounts they can order checks they can initiate wire transfers apply for loans so so many services we also um, implemented video tellers at more of our locations and we added tap to pay technology to all of our credit and debit cards making that um, payment point uh, uh, more convenient and safer for members because they're now able just literally to hold their card over a payment terminal as opposed to having to insert it, hand their card to someone, um, tap any buttons or and so forth. And so really we've, we've done quite a lot and we're looking forward to doing even more in the in the realm of digital and innovation. Uh, Deidre, some of the services that you guys have going on right now, I mean, when you look at it, certainly there's a, a housing refinancing boom that's going on. But it's not just mortgages that can be refied. You guys are very active in auto loans as well. Yes, absolutely. You're so right. There is. Um, it seems that the mortgage refi um, boom going on, um, and so if you if you do have a high rate, this is a great time to take a look at refinancing. You can potentially save thousands of dollars, and then also auto loans. So we've got a great special going on right now through the end of January. Rates as low as one point nine nine percent. So if you've got a, an auto 
loan somewhere else, paying a higher rate. Again, look to see what you can save. And then um, we'll soon be having some grand opening specials that will start on February 1st. And those are um, to celebrate our Sashaba branch. So be on the lookout for those. And then Something else we do to help support local businesses is our local loyalty program, and that's where we have partnered with area businesses, and by using your your OU credit union uh, debit and credit cards at those, you'll receive a discount, and you can find all of those at our website, which is OUCreditUnion.org. Deidre, thank you so much for your time, and we appreciate your support of Oakland Athletics and the Greg Campy Show. Thank you. Back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. He's a coach, Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule, and after today's Greg Campy Show, coach will be on an exclusive Zoom session. That's an, ex- an exclusive opportunity for season ticket holders and Champion Club members, and you can learn more about being a Champions Club member and supporting Oakland Athletics at goldengrizzlies.com slash Champions Club. So, Coach, we'll, we'll knock this down, I guess, the appetizer for that, and then you'll talk to the season ticket holders with the, uh, the members of the Champions Club. Yeah, I really, I really like that. You know, obviously with them not being able to come to the games this year, we had to stay connected and, and we've, we've been having these zoom calls and, and it's kind of similar to ask campy that I let them ask me whatever they want and they have a right to ask, you know, and I, I ask them to get it off their chest or get it off their mind instead of sitting there during a game wondering why, like we've had some great discussions on why we don't put people at the free throw line, why, so-and-so might be playing over so-and-so, you know, it's, it's been really cool. I, I think, you know, tonight I expect to have 50 to 60 people on that zoom call and uh, there'll be some tough questions, but I think, I think you feel better about your understanding of what's going on and why we're doing it. You, you may not agree with me, but who does? So, you know, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. I, I just, I think that uh, the season ticket holders and that feel a lot better about it when they have knowledge of why, you know, that's why I think the hot dogs and uh, practice and hot, you know, chili dogs and practice is such a great event because they actually get to see how we teach certain things in practice and why we're doing what we're doing and things like that. So it's just another way to reach out to our fans, which I think Oakland University does a great job of. Coach, why do you do that? Why do you do that kind of stuff? You know, why why do you why do you come on here and answer every and you tell me every time you say tell me every question, every single question that's asked. You know, and we'll we'll get some you know that maybe you don't want to answer or people don't want to hear. But uh, you know, you do that. You've always said for as long as I've been a part of this program, my practice is open. If you want to come in, come in and watch. Why why are you such an open book in, in an industry and in, in a time when people are not? Well, I think that if you're a fan of Oakland University you deserve a right to know what we're doing and why we're doing it. And if, if, you know, I, I fandom is a great thing. I mean, I, I've been fans of teams myself. I've been fans of people. I've been fans of a lot of things in life. And, and when you're passionate about something, knowledge is power. You want to know, you know, I want to know why this, why that. And, and I want our people to know, I mean, I don't, they're going to, who isn't going to get quite, I mean, the guy at Kentucky is really getting killed right now and by some of their fans. And how can you do that to him, you know, with what Kentucky's done? But that's just fandom. And, and it, it, for me at Oakland, 
we built the fan base. You know, I'm telling you, I've told this story a million times. My first game that I coached at Oakland 37 years ago, there were 44 people in the stands for opening night, and probably 20 of them were named Campy, you know, somewhere <laughs> in their name. And uh, um, to build that to where we average over 3,000, where, you know, the the – the hug of Jalen Moore the other day had 135,000 views. And that was a spontaneous thing. I was either going to kill Jalen or hug him, and I decided to hug him, which, which was a good move instead of killing him. And so to, for Oakland to grow from those 40 people to, to this, you know, I, I, I feel not responsible for it, but I feel that I've, I owe those people the right to know everything, to be as transparent as possible and to know. And it also gives them an insight into me, who I am, why I coach the way I coach, why I say the things I say. And when you're winning and you say things, people like hearing that. When you're winning, you they may disagree with you, but they think, oh, well, that, that was smart, right? When you're not winning, they're tired of hearing what you say, and they're not happy with what you say. And so I understand all that, and I just let that roll off my back. I, I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to be open. I'm going to be, be transparent, and this program always will be as long as I'm a head coach of it. And there, there are things that are tweeted at me and that I don't like. There are things that are emailed to me that I really don't like. Um, but it's amazing, Neil. You know, there's players that I get get tweeted at. Why is he playing? Why is this guy playing? And I could show you emails saying, why isn't this kid playing more? You know, I mean, you it, when you sit on my side of it and you see the whole thing, you understand that the minority is vocal. And that's just a part of life. And my goal is to make every person that cares about Oakland basketball have the knowledge of what's going on and hopefully love our kids and love our program. Their, their feelings for me, that's not a priority to me. Their feelings for our kids and our program is a priority to me. What about that moment with, with Jalen Moore? And I was going to bring this up to you, but you, it was a good segue by you, so uh, I'm going to take advantage of it. Um, you know, th that whole moment with, with Jalen Moore, j just take everybody through that, the, the play that happened before and just the, the emotional roller coaster. Because, Camp, I've told you this before. I tell my friends this when we're sitting around watching a football game you know, over at each other's house. You guys that do your coaching job, you coaches are crazy. I mean, you're crazy. If, if, you, if you explained it out loud to someone and said, hey, you know, your livelihood depends on 18 to 22-year-olds and, and how they're viewed on Instagram or who broke up with them or, you know what I'm saying? I mean, all these factors and all the stuff that you guys have to deal with and the emotion, the emotional swings we saw in Wright State from Friday to Saturday, the loss to the win and all that stuff. I mean, just the emotional roller coaster that's being a coach. Describe it. Well, it, it is, it, it's our job. And, you know, my job, when I promised Jalen Moore what going to Oakland would be, I promised him that I think my history as a coach, you can look at it, 
that you will be when you leave here. You will be the best basketball player you can be. You will be the best person you can be, and you will be the best student you could be. And that's the only thing I'm going to promise you. I'm not going to promise you playing time. I'm not going to promise you anything else. Now, in Jalen's case, I, if I promised him that if he became the point guard, that the ball would be in his hands and he would control our offense. And that the person that is the offense of a Greg Campy coach team, the point guard of a Greg Campy coach team, the history proves that if the team is good, you will be one of the top assist players in the country. You will be, if you're a scorer too, you can do both. Jonathan Jones led the nation in assists. Reggie Hamilton led the nation in scoring. Kay Felder led the nation in assists. Kay Felder finished third in scoring in the same year he led the nation in assists. Our point guard in our offense controls everything. But they also are told when they're recruited that it ain't going to be fun those first year. And it ain't going to be, you got to understand where I'm coming from and what I'm doing. If I'm going to promise you, you're going to be the best that you can be. You got to understand I'm going to be relentless and I'm going to come after you every minute. Some kids can handle that. Some kids can't. They're told in the recruiting process that this is what's going to happen. I've had kids that couldn't handle it and have left. And I've had kids that could handle it and became great. And in, in Jalen's case, he came here, he scored 37 points a game in high school. To do that, you got to take a lot of bad shots. You got to make a lot of bad decisions if you're going to average 37 points a game. In junior college, as the point guard, he averaged a ton of points. Here, we don't want him taking bad shots and making bad decisions, trying to win games. We want him to learn how to win those games through his natural talent with, within the framework of what we do and in the framework of all the other players around him who are good players. And, it, you know, on his high school team, maybe there wasn't a guy that could go get that basket. And so one on three, he'd have to go score anyways. So in that game, he took, with the game, you know, winding down, I put the ball in his hands, cleared the floor for him, and gave him the freedom to go. Well, he took a crappy shot. And me screaming and yelling at him isn't going to change the fact that he took a crappy shot. And it isn't going to change the fact of what happened on that possession. But we're going to be in this position again, and he's got to take a, get a better shot than that. And in the midst of all that, I could see it in his eyes that you're right, coach. And I had to reward that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't usually see it in their eyes while it's happening. You usually see it in the film room the next day or at practice when you talk to them and you go over and you understand, you understand why I came after you like that. Do you understand what's, purpose you know because in the heat of the moment they don't usually understand it you know they they get embarrassed or they you know the game's over and their dad tells them why would that coach you know so for his eyes I could see it and so I backed down and just hugged him and and it was spontaneous it wasn't meant for anybody but the two of us and the fact that it got captured 
I guess that's sports and, you know, it is what it is, as we say a lot, it seems, today. <laughs> that is the case. All right, Camp, we'll take our next break. When we come back, I want to give the uh, the due diligence uh, in the time uh, for the Ask Campy questions on Twitter. Remember, even right now, if the one pops in your head, uh, fire it off on Twitter with the hashtag Ask Campy. I'll read them all. We'll get to all of them. We'll preview this weekend's matchup at Green Bay as well. Got a lot to get to here as we come down the stretch. The second half of the Greg Campy Show coming up next, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. The Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. He is a coach, Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule. Happy to have you with us on 1067 HD2 on the radio side and also Wild 1067 on the iHeartRadio app. Nick Morgan, Kevin McCann back in our Real Team Real Estate Studios, pushing all the buttons, making everything run smoothly. It's time for the world famous Ask Campy on Twitter with the hashtag Ask Campy. We get to all those questions. At Oakland U fan, coach wants to know if a win by Oakland means that Detroit would win a conference championship, would you pull a Coach Peterson and sit your starters in the second half of a tight game the way that the Eagles coach did against the Washington football team? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, (laughs) They're all loaded questions, Cam. (laughs) Ten years ago, probably for sure. I wouldn't even have batted an eye on it. I I think – I mean, to really know the answer to that, I'd have to be in the – in the moment and it'd have to happen. Uh, I don't, I don't think there's anything within my body that would ever allow me to lose on purpose. Um, so I don't see it happening Would my mind. Tell me to let it happen. <laughs> it might, it might. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a long history there. There's a backstory that someday if I ever write a book, It'll be in that book uh, of what truly happened back in the day between, you know, Oakland University and and the University of Detroit. Um, But probably not, Neil. Probably not. I I don't think you got the integrity of the game and you've got the integrity of your coaching your kids. Um, So probably not. But there would be a piece of me that would want to. I like the probably. You sound uh, you sound like Nick Saban. I did not interview with the with the Jets in New York. You know, right? <laughs> I like it more with the hashtag Ask Campy. Our good buddy Pittsburgh Marty uh, chimes in, says Happy New Year, Coach Anil. Have two questions for you. Number one, what does a typical day of practice look like? And number two, how do you plan to combat road fatigue during the bus ride to Green Bay? Will you get a shoot around tomorrow evening when you arrive? Well, first. Part of that question is, you know, we, we, we're still trying to figure out. We've had the back-to-back now three weeks. We've had, you know, some shutdowns uh, with some false positives. And, you know, we, we, had a, we had a player with symptoms this week. And so we shut him down for two days and we shut the roommate down for two days. They, they were, we test six times a week. They're testing negative. They're testing negative. But you got to, you know, we – the kids, the kids' health and well-being is the most important thing. And so, you know, he, the kids probably just got a cold, but, you know, he's, he had headaches and he had fatigue, and those are symptoms. So we shut him down. We shut the, the – we would have shut all four roommates down, but two of them have already had the – you know, they've got the antibodies, so we didn't need to shut them down. So that – you know, that changes practice because now we only got 11 guys out there and it just changes what you do. But if nothing goes wrong from a COVID standpoint, the, our 
way of attacking the double headers now, the Friday-Saturday games, is we'll take Sunday completely off. We'll come back Monday, and the guys that have played, you know, the 30, 35 minutes will not take. They'll come. They'll shoot. And then anything new that we want to put in from an offensive end, we'll walk through. So we put three new sets in this week. We walk through them on Monday. The guys that aren't playing a lot of minutes, uh, then when we're done with that shooting and that, the, the guys that have played a lot of minutes head to the weight room. And the guys that aren't playing, they are taped and we'll do some stuff with them to keep them, you know, to keep making them better, to, to you know, to growing them as players. Then on Tuesday, uh, we have an individual day where we spend a lot of time working on individual improvement. Wednesday and Thursdays are prep days for the opponent we're playing. And then, uh, so that's what a week of practice is going to look like for the rest of, un- unless things keep, you know, if things go bad on the weekend and, and we have two or three weekends or we just don't think it's working, we might look at changing that. Um, and then uh, as far as the Green Bay thing goes is, is we were very fortunate. We had a donor step up and, and make a, re- a very large donation it's going to allow us to charter uh, to uh, Green Bay, and, and we're not using, you know, we're, we're using gift money uh, in this case to charter. So uh, I, I can't say his name because he, he didn't give me permission. He doesn't know I'm, ta- I'm even talking about it, and I didn't know that, you know, that I would come out and say this publicly. But so I won't say his name. I wish I could because it, it was a very generous gift, and it really, really helps us. It's it, spending eight hours on a bus versus, you know, going to Oakland County air. We drive right up to the plane. We get out, we walk onto the plane an hour later, we're in green Bay and the game's over at, you know, seven o'clock Saturday night and we're back in our bed by midnight. So that's what the big boys do. If you're division one, that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, We've done that to green Bay in the past, but because of the pandemic, we weren't doing it. You can't, you know, you, we were not allowed to go on commercial airlines. So we were going to make the eight hour bus ride and thank God uh, this gentleman came through for us. It was quite a gift and and I'll give him some strokes on the golf course this year when I shouldn't because of it. <laughs> Man, that must've been a, a supreme gift then because yeah, you're, <laughs> you don't just hand those things out camp. I won't lose on purpose, but I'll give him some shots. <laughs> <laughs> More questions with the hashtag AskCampy. Uh, Christopher Cousineau wants to know, Coach, what is going to be done differently this year than in years past to combat transfers leaving the program and keeping the same team around in order to grow into this team again next year? Well, that is the, that is the magic question. This week alone – Two players have left uh, uh, an Atlantic 10 school and a Power 5 conference that were starters. One guy is the – actually, three half, if you include the Atlantic 10. Two Power 5 guys and Atlantic 10 guy. They're starting. They've started every game through Christmas, and they went in the portal. And one of them's the preseason player of a major of the year in a major conference, you know, at a team that's ranked in the top ten in the country. They're ranked in the top ten. He's going to be the 
He's the preseason player of the year in our league. He's starting and killing it. And he's just going to give up the rest of the basketball season this year. His team has no chance now to win the national championship. Uh, maybe they do. Maybe it'd be great if they went on and won it anyways without him. Who knows? And they're late. So we've been hit by it. We've been hit hard by it. I believe I know the reason why um, this past year was we knew it was going to happen. We we were part of it happening. And it's an issue. And it's something that we've met on. I've met with my boss on it. I think with the new rule coming in, it's going to be voted on next Monday. And I cannot believe it won't pass. And that is immediate eligibility. So when this season's over, any kid in the country can uh, any kid in the country can go in the transfer portal, and if they're a first-time transfer and they're academically eligible, they can go anywhere they want, and they can have immediate eligibility. There were 900 kids in the transfer portal this year. I believe next year there'll be over 2,000 kids in the transfer portal. If there's 350 teams and you get 2,000 kids in the transfer portal with five a team, I'm not, that's not smoke I'm blowing. I believe that's going to happen. I believe you're right. So laying all that out on the line, knowing what's happened to us the last two years, this is a hell of a question. How do we combat that? And the answer is that we talk to our kids and we have more open conversation with them. We, we try and protect Oakland University. We try and talk to them. You know, Kay Felder went into the draft and I didn't want Kay to go into the draft. I didn't think it was the right thing. He went into the draft. He made a couple million, probably three, four, five million dollars, whatever he made got drafted and he's in China now. And so in his, you know, in his life, he's got to look, did I make the right decision? Once the decision's made, it's the right decision. Um, Kay was, you know, he couldn't have had it better at Oakland, but that was out there and he went and he did it. And right now these kids are going to have to make decisions. Many of the decisions that they're going to make are going to be wrong ones and they're gonna be fueled by people around them. I can't keep those people away from them, but I can do a better job of talking to our players and expressing what can happen and what life is like on the other side and what life will be like here. And I can tell them the importance of them staying. I've got to get away from the, oh, you wanna go, go. Because this day and age, this kid doesn't look at that as a challenge. You know, five years, six years ago, the kid would look at that as, oh, I'll prove you wrong. I'll, you know, now it's, oh, he doesn't want me. Well, that's not even, you know, that's not the case. But you, you know, so I've got, my staff and I have got to do a better job of understanding what's being said to these kids. And then we got, we got to fight our tail off to keep them. And 
Um, not just say, well, if you don't want to be here, then go, you know, which is how I've always gone about it because we put our life and soul into this thing. I believe we put our heart and everything into these kids. And then, you know, there's always something better out there. And the, the problem that we have, you know, at the mid-major level is that I got six freshmen. A couple of them are playing. And there are people out there that are thinking, oh, I'm going to call his AAU coach and I'm going to tell his high school coach, hey, if he doesn't like Campy or if he, if he wants to play at a higher level, we'll take him. Just let him know that if he's thinking that, we'll take him. So they're going to get recruited. Then I got the two or three freshmen that aren't getting to play that I think are going to be really good players if they stick it out that are mad because they're not playing. They're seeing this other freshman playing. They're seeing maybe Ola Doppel's there, and I'm not going to be able to go by him in the next year. And, and so they leave. And that's the problem that now with the new rule that all coaches are going to have, it's not just going to be Oakland. It's going to be every coach. It's going to be Tom Izzo. It's going to, I mean, guy, I don't think people leave Michigan State because why would you ever leave that if you're a player with, I mean, you're a rock star, you're, you know. But they will, Camp. They will. Now with the new rule, you're going to see they're going to leave Ohio State. They're going to leave North Carolina. They're going to leave Duke. They're going to leave Oakland. They're going to leave. There's going to be 2,000 kids in that portal. And it's going to become, you know, a free agency thing. And we're going to. The, the people that are going to get screwed the most in this are the high school kids. Why would you recruit a high school kid? You know, I can get a kid out of the portal that I've already know has been through scouting reports, travel, been away from home. I had a kid last year that got here and had never been away from home like this. His girlfriend decided that she didn't want to be his girlfriend. I mean, the psychological stress on that kid was unbelievable and it affected him it affected his life it affected how he played basketball it affected his like a college it affected everything why would you recruit that then when you can get a kid in the portal that's already done that plus you already know what he is a lot of high school kids you don't we didn't know what trey townsend was we knew trey townsend was going to be a good player eventually did i did we anybody know that nobody knew that trey townsend trey townsend in the second half of the right state game was a man, was an 18-year-old man, and just played his tail off. We didn't know that. So there's a lot of decisions, and this is going to change college basketball as we know it. It's going to change the recruiting of college basketball how we know it. It's going to change the development of college basketball at our level as we know it. And it's going to be a, you know, your team could be different every year, every year. You know, the Oakland team could be different and look different every year. The Wright state team, the Youngstown state, the Michigan, the Michigan, you know, it won't be as, it won't be as prevalent at those levels, but there will be some movement. Yeah, a- absolutely. There will. And, and you will see that. And I think that will be kind of the last domino to fall because we will see the, the North Carolina to Arizona or, you know, the, the tax, the Michigan state to Texas and vice versa and all that. You will see that at that, at that five-star level. We're not going to get those kids. Right. Let's say Joe Smith is uh, the backup point guard at State University in the Big Ten. 
and he's pissed he's not getting as many minutes as he thought he should get. He isn't coming to a mid-major school. He's going to go to another major school. And there's going to be 50 of them that want him because he's better than a freshman. Yep. Now, if the Magic Johnson's coming out of high school, that's different. But I'm just talking about your four-star, three-star recruits. Why would Michigan State take a four-star or three-star recruit when they can go pluck a guy off of UCLA, you know? Right. A guy off of, or let's say the bottom of the Pac-12, a, a guy who's, you know, all Pac-12 at Washington State with no chance to ever win anything because they finished last. What's that kid going to do? What's all the people around him going to tell him to do? And it's going to get his coach fired because he's gonna, he recruited him, he, he developed him, and then he's going to go play at – you know, I, I call names. I'm, I'm not saying it's Michigan State or it's it's Michigan or it's Texas or anybody. You say it for I'm a just, fact, right, for a fact. Yeah, I'm just rhetorically talking about the top teams, you know, the, the teams that could win your leagues and go to the NCAA tournament, go to Final Fours. And three. That's what kids want to do. There's number one thing every kid wants is to play in the NBA. That is That is universal. That's their number one thing. Can you get me to the NBA? Number two is I want to be in the NCAA tournament. I want to be in one shining moment. And I want to be that shining moment. That's what the kids today think. No kids out there going, man, I'd just be great to be on a team. Wouldn't it be great to be on co- play college basketball? Wouldn't it be great to get some minutes? Wouldn't it be great? Ooh, that'd be so cool if we could win the league. If we could. Nobody thinks like that. No one. Can I get to the NBA? And can I be that one shining moment in the NCAA tournament? Absolutely. That's <laughs> every, as you talked about 300, 350 teams times 15 players, whatever that number is, because this isn't a big math show here. We, you and I work hard to make sure that there's not a lot of math involved on this show. Whatever that number is, that's the, <laughs> that's the amount that think that. Final question here with the hashtag Ask Campy as we get ready to wrap up the show. Uh, Matt from the Horizon Roundtable wants to know, says, Coach, I don't want to use the word seams again. What have you seen, or we have seen more of Zion and Kangu in the past few games. Do you anticipate seeing them continue to get at least 10 minutes per game? I don't anticipate anybody getting any minutes. Uh, I don't think that way. Matt, here's, here's, here's why you've seen more of Zion and more of Kangu, because they're playing good. Zion won the Detroit games for us. If he hadn't come out and made shots and played like we believe he can, he wouldn't be playing. I'm not going to play somebody because we think they can be good. They have to earn their right. They earn their, and they do it through practice, and then they get the opportunity in practice, or then they get the opportunity in the games, and if they do it, they play more, and if and then when they become comfortable and they've proven they can do it, then they play a lot, and then they can they can still play even when they're not playing well. Uh, because they've consistently given us good minutes. And uh, both Kevin and Zion have played extremely well. In you know, they one of the things that helped them both was Lampman's injury because now, you know, there wasn't, okay, you're not doing well, I'll give Lampman a chance to do well. Lampman's not doing well, I'll give Kangu a chance to do well. Kangu's not doing well, okay, Zion, you can go get another chance. That was just the two of them. And they, they, I think they're, they're very good players. I think Zion, you know, he just needs time. He needs to get comfortable. He needs to prove it. And Kangu just needs to play like he practices because Kangu is one of the best practice players we have. 
but he gets a little bit, you know, excited in games and he wants it so bad. Nobody works as hard as Kevin Kangu. He really wants to be good and he's a great kid and a great leader on our team. Nothing would make me happier than Kevin Kangu playing 40 minutes a game and, you know, reaching his full potential and being the happiest kid in the world. Nothing would make me happier than that. And as, but my duty is to win games and to play the best players and play the guys that are playing the best and the guys that will help us win. And so they're given opportunities. And if they play well, they get better opportunities. And if they continue to play well, they get lots of opportunities. So that's why you're seeing more of them. Um, you know, Rashad, Rashad got in foul trouble and the, all three Lampman uh, and Kangu and Zion got a lot of minutes this weekend. And what they what they did by showing me that is, okay, now I don't have to play Rashad 38 minutes. I don't want to play Rashad 38 minutes. I'd like to play him 30. And I can play him 30 if I'm getting 15 good minutes from Kangu and 15 good minutes from Zion and 15 good minutes from Lampman. Then I can play him 30. And eventually I'd like to get Jalen Moore down to 34, you know, somewhere in there. Uh, so that's how it's done. It's not, it's not, I don't predetermine going in. I'm going to play this guy this many minutes. I'm going to play that guy that many minutes. Uh, it's just every game's an entity in itself and how they're playing uh, will determine their amount of minutes and then how they've played over time so that, you know, you earn the right to play poorly. And, and that's a goofy statement, but it's true. You <laughs> earn the right to play poorly. All right, Cam, final minute of the show here. Green Bay this weekend, Amari Davis, last year's freshman of the year. Uh, really incredible player, 51% from the floor from the guard spot camp. And he didn't shoot a ton of threes. He has added that to his repertoire this year. The shooting percentage is down a little bit, but maybe the efficiency is up. I haven't looked at the, I haven't looked at the analytics yet, though. Unbelievable backcourt. P.J. Pipes is playing MVP-like uh, year off. He's out there with an MVP-like year so far. Uh, Amari Davis, as you said, freshman of the year, also MVP-type caliber player. A transfer named Jefferson who can fill it up, and then a bunch of young guys inside. Team that uh, on any given night can beat anybody in the league. They took Wright State at Wright State to the, to the wire back-to-back -back nights. They led in the second half. They're capable. They've got to learn how to win. It remind me a lot of us in that all those young kids inside in that and trying to figure it all out. Uh, we could go up there and get beat twice. We could go up there and split, or we could go up there and win them both. It's, it's, it's a mirror image of us, a mirror image of a, a young team trying to find itself. Tip time on Friday at 5 o'clock, Saturday at 5 o'clock, and as always, we will be on the Real Team Real Estate Radio Network right here on 106.7 FM HD2, while 106.7 on the iHeartRadio app as well. Make sure you catch a pregame show at 4.30. That will do it for the Greg Campy Show here tonight. So for the coach, Greg Campy, Nick Morgan, and Kevin McCann back in our Real Team Real Estate studios. My name is Neil Rule. Thanks for listening, everybody. Well, see you later.